Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. These were the words of Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Of course, though, what we read or modern translations, therefore looking back in the original language that Jesus would have been speaking when he gave this sermon, we can find a little deeper meaning and understanding and clarity because we often read this and might ask ourselves, what does it really mean to be poor in spirit? Well, in reality, the simplest answer is that it is to be humble to be broken by your circumstances and situation. It says that to these does he release the power of the kingdom of heaven. Now, do we really understand that? Because the kingdom of heaven outpowers and overcomes every other kingdom. Therefore, those whom God chooses to be its ambassadors in the earth must first demonstrate great restraint, great selflessness, great discipline, and obedience, all of which are byproducts of humility. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, which is the favor, power, and influence of God. Wherefore he saith, God resist the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. In this modern culture, we don't look at humility as something of great value. It's very overlooked. People tend to look at talent and money and charisma and a magnetic personality, but in actuality, God is looking for humility. Because grace, by definition, is favor, power, and divine influence. It is the power of God's own Holy Spirit manifested through those whom he has favored with sonship, which then influences them towards holiness and the accomplishment of God's will in the earth. Yet we see that not everyone has the same measure of grace according to Scripture. So if we don't all have the same measure of favor, power, or submission to the divine influence, then how do we increase? How do we grow these things? The Bible does tell us that we can grow in grace, that we have a measure of faith. My friend, it's not complicated. The Bible tells us very plainly that God gives more grace in relation to your humility. Because the more humble you are, the more he can trust you to use this great gift rightly to achieve his purposes, to endorse his message, and to build his kingdom, not your own. However, who gets what measure of God's grace is not some preordained thing. Because favor is not favoritism. Favoritism is unjust and unfair. And God is a just God. Favoritism 
is unfairly, unjustly, unrightly giving something to someone and not doing the same for others. God does not do that. The scripture is clear that he is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for another. However, favor is something different entirely. Favor is released when you show forth faith in what God says, humbling yourself to it. The more you act in faithful obedience, the more he will trust you with greater and greater measures of his grace, which is his power. Now we understand that grace is power and favor and not everyone has the same measure of those things because not everyone can be trusted equally because not everyone has the same level of humility. This is why the Bible tells us that we can grow in grace. Because in every circumstance and situation, we have a choice to make. Are we going to be hardened or humbled? And if you choose in your pride to be hardened, the favor and power of God will begin departing. But if you choose to walk humbly, before your God. He will pour it out on you all the more. It will increase. and You will be strong and do great exploits. Understand what I'm saying. We are not saved by our works because without faith, everything we do is fruitless and pointless anyway. But true faith will produce humble obedience to God's voice. So understand that we're not talking about faith for salvation here, but rather a faith that grows from salvation. A seed being planted, now it growing into something bigger, stronger, and more magnificent. Jesus said that faith is like a mustard seed that starts small, but grows into the largest of all herbs, becoming something like a tree. The point that Jesus was making in his mustard seed illustration was not about having a small faith. It was about having a faith that grows into something amazing. He's trying to let you know how much a little faith can grow if you're willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit through these difficult situations and humble and trust him because it's going to seem impossible, but he's going to do the miraculous if you just keep submitting to what he is speaking and following his leading. Don't assume to know what to do and take matters into your own hand. Learn to shut your mouth and start to listen. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, he says this, another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, being a very small thing, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs, which becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and are able to lodge in the branches thereof. So understand that God's love for us is the same from creation to salvation, and for the rebellious and unbelieving even to damnation. God's love never changes. 
It is from everlasting to everlasting. Yet the measure of grace or power that we receive from him does. He simply trusts more to those who are more humble, irrespective of race, gender, or genealogy. God is no respecter of persons. He says this in the scripture continuously. He loves all of us the same and gives all the same opportunity. However, he is a respecter of humility and pours out the power of the kingdom upon it, knowing that it is less likely to be misused by those more willing to follow orders and function as part of the body rather than always trying to compete with he who is the head of it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Ye, therefore, beloved, seeing that you knew these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but rather grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. So then, we see that we can grow in grace as we choose to have a more humble spirit. So, how exactly do we do that? How do we grow in humility? Well, I assure you this, that there are many ways that the Bible instructs us to do this, but this is not something that God will do for you. For the scriptures are clear, saying over and over again, humble yourself. This is where you have to take some responsibility and take a step of faith before he's willing to release his grace. God calls us all to do this. Yet only a few ever actually do. And those few that do are the ones that he chooses to empower with mighty anointings and the greater gifts of his spirit, the manifestations of his graces. Matthew chapter 22 verse 14 tells us very clearly that though many are called, few are actually chosen. God is watching and testing, and rewarding, and removing, and positioning. A few ways that the scripture tells us that we can humble ourselves is through confession and repentance, through submission and obedience to God's word, and to the authorities he has placed over us in choosing to trust God's will over our own, to come to him asking and seeking in prayer and worship and fasting and self-sacrifice of our own fleshly desires, wants, and ambitions through servanthood, through patience, through reverence for him and for all authority. In fact, all of the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 are products of humility. So you might say that humility is the good soil. Faith is the seed, and grace is the fruit that is produced and manifested into love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, 
and temperance, against which there has been no judgment given. So let us pray today with a humble and sincere heart and say, Lord, help us to recognize the areas where we can humble ourselves by faith that we might be made fit to grow in grace. Help us understand when situations, trials, and tribulations arise, that they are actually blessings in disguise, allowing us opportunity to choose to react with humility, that your grace may abound and your perfection shine through like a light on a hill in a dark place. Help us to see opportunities to show forth selfless love towards others and obedience to your voice. Help us to walk in humility that the world might see you walking in us because that is what true grace really is. God, today we thank you for the times that we have been through difficulties, attacks, oppressions, exhaustions for the sake of the gospel message or being obedient to your teachings. Oh, Lord, we thank you today that your grace is sufficient, that you yourself equip us and walk with us, and that it was in these difficult, lowly moments that we got to know you more clearly and more personally than we would have ever had opportunity to do otherwise, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had they never faced the fiery furnace of affliction, they would have never stood face to face with Jesus. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when men shall hate you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for his name's sake. You will be rewarded greatly. It's going to be okay. Because ultimately, in the end, God trusts with the power, the anointing, and the gifts of his spirit, those who have great compassion, because he knows he can trust them to use it on the broken, the lonely, the meek, the forgotten, the neglected, the less fortunate, and not on their own selfish needs. And it's in those hard places when you are poor in spirit yourself because of your own difficult situations that you truly learn to have compassion for others and theirs because you know what they've been through because you've been there. So, Lord, we don't ask you to save us from every situation and make things easy. We don't want to be spoiled children. We want to be ready. But we do ask that you equip us, strengthen us, and stand with us in the midst of our fiery furnaces of affliction that all might see the one who is the likeness of the Son of the living God standing in the fire with me and believe that there is hope in every difficulty because we serve the God who brings the victory that in the end those who see or even hear the testimony of it would say like Nebuchadnezzar did that day, truly their God is the true God for who can deliver after this sort. Oh Lord, we want to know your heart. We want the lost to know it more. 
And sometimes the only way for them to see that is to see how faithful you are to us who trust in you as you take us by the hand and lead us through difficult, impossible, trying, pressing situations. That in those places, the uncommon character, the fruit of your spirit, that sweet-smelling savor of the anointing of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, really shines through. That's where they get to see something different, something uncommon, which is actually part of the definition of being holy. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.